What's poppin' everybody? Episode 29 of the Slip Away Podcast coming right at you. We're going to be getting into the return of Triple G, taking on his mandatory Camille Zerometa. And I'm going to be talking about the return of Canelo Alvarez, taking on Callum Smith. Let's get right into it. think on some level like they're fighting on the same weekend to gauge the uh the interest in that fight you know what i'm saying they're not just like that's in my mind that looks like shit i'm i'm trying shit out with this new light you guys you gotta just bear with me fucking it's not it's not an accident that they're fucking that they're fighting on the same card on the same weekend not the same card that they're fighting on the same weekend on the same network um you know, Golovkin was fighting this mandatory Camille Zarameta. To be honest with you, I don't really understand how this guy became the mandatory. There's so many, like, good middleweights right now. There's not that many great middleweights, but there's a lot of good middleweights. I'm not saying this guy can't fight, but it just seems so weird that the IBF would have this fighter as the mandatory to, you know, one of the best fighters pound for pound. But aside from that... To be honest with you, man, Golovkin looked as good as I can remember him looking in a very long time, man. I really, it was very impressive. He dropped him in the first round, the second round, the fourth round, and then the seventh round, which ultimately wound up being the last round, Golovkin stopping him at the end of the seventh. You know, there was like a couple of things he was doing that, you know, he looked like the Golovkin we all remember, but to be honest, I think he sort of added, you know, a couple extra layers to what he does aside from power punching and jabbing you know his upper body and his head movement was so much better in this fight than I can remember it being I'm he was never a bad defensive fighter he was always relatively responsible defensively but there was it was a much more active effort to make this guy miss and then following that up he was more fluid with his offense you know his offense was much more fluid in this fight I felt like he was throwing smoother combinations, creating angles off of those combinations. You know, not everything had it was a 10. You know, he was he was throwing sixes and sevens, you know, to keep this guy stationary. And to be honest with you, the Zero Meta actually had some nice glove rolling and some head movement. You know, he was kind of like trying to catch stuff, but he just he didn't have the, the offensive tools to give Golovkin a reason to think twice. And so Golovkin was just pounding him with that jab. You know, and that head movement, I think, threw Zarameta off as well because he was throwing his jab, and he could not land it. He couldn't even touch glove with it. Like, he he was throwing that jab at straight-up nothing. And I think that that, once you, once you start missing your jab so regularly, 
you know, it's going to make a lot of guys more hesitant to let go of something else because the jab is like the range finder. It's the, it's the punch that's going to set up the other punches. So if you're missing that punch consistently, it's going to throw off your whole offense, you know? Um, and I also, I really love how Triple G took his time, man. He really took his time. I think he could have, like, after the the knockdown in the fourth round, <clears throat> I felt like he took his foot off the gas just a little bit, and he probably could have ended it right then. Um, but he didn't, and he, I think, gave himself a few more rounds to work and show everybody, like, his full arsenal, his full, his full skill set. Um, again, beyond just being a power puncher and a destroyer and a knockout guy, like, this is a guy with, some real craft, some real technique, you know, that can make you miss, that can make you pay, you know, and I felt like he also was, was throwing this counter right uppercut a couple of times that was, it was so fast, and every time he would land it, it would just blast fucking Zarameda's head straight up, it was a bing, just fucking, it was like a wake-up shot, you know, I don't remember seeing him throw that punch a lot, um, you know, so as a whole, I just felt like Golovkin's whole game, you know, everyone is saying that he's on the back end, that he's, that he's, you know, not the same killer he used to be. But I think in another sense, he's a smarter fighter than he used to be. I think the Canelo fights have sort of forced him in a weird way to add variety to his game. Like he's much more willing to just put together a little speed combination to set something bigger up as opposed to just whipping everything, you know, as hard as he possibly can, you know, so I, I really like the variety that Triple G had in his game in this fight, and, you know, it's hard to know what he's going to do next, obviously, you know, a third fight Canelo, I think with, with Canelo is something that most boxing fans would want to see, um, and I'll get to that at the end of the fight, but just thinking realistically, you know, he's a middleweight titleist, I don't generally get the sense that his ambitions are to move up in weight. It seems like he's a he's a career middleweight. He's been there his whole career. He doesn't change weight. Um, and so if he's going to stay a middleweight, there's only a handful of fights for him, I would say, that are worth it. And it's the other guys with belts. You got Jamal Charlo. Um, you got Ryota Mirada, the guy from Japan. And um, you got Demetrius Andrade, which, to be honest with you, as far as like matchups and who deserves the fight, I would really love to see Golovkin and Andrade. I think that fight ultimately would determine who the best middleweight in the world was. But I think regardless, if his next fight is against any of those guys, it would be very difficult to say that he's not the best middleweight in the world with two belts. Um, and maybe him being the established for sure number one middleweight again, would create even more, like, public demand for the third Canelo fight, more marketability, you know, the top of this division versus the top of this division in a third fight, so, you know, but we'll get, we'll get to the potential of that fight later, I want to talk about Canelo and Callum Smith first as well, you know, again, it was another just well-rounded, um, just very steady and and well-rounded and just excellent performance from Canelo Alvarez, man. I You know, again, when I did my pound-for-pound pound list, I had this guy number one. 
And I feel like there's really not, there's no argument to put somebody else number one pound for pound at this point with the, with the, the amount of times that he jumps around weight classes and he's fighting these guys that are clearly, you know, naturally a lot bigger than he is. And he's overpowering them and he's outskilling them and he, he just outdoes them in every way. You know, Kovalev and now Callum Smith. It's like he's so offensive minded, but he doesn't get hit. He does not get hit. He as particularly in this fight, you know, because he switches up depending on the opponent. But in this fight, like Canelo was exclusively front foot. Exclusively front foot. You know, he walked Smith down the whole fight. You know, his upper body movement and his glove parries make it so hard to hit him clean. Because if you try to throw an uppercut, he just rocks back a little. You try to throw the right hand, he rolls that. You try to throw a body shot, he steps back. Like, he's a complete master of range now. It's not like he's just a big guy that out-physicals people. He's really, he's out-boxing all of these guys. He's, he has better skills than all of them. And on top of that, he's bigger, stronger, faster. You know, his upper body movement in this fight, man, was just silly because early in the fight, you could see Callum Smith trying to establish his jab, and he couldn't land it, man. He just couldn't land it. Part of that, I think, is because he was throwing it too high. You know, if you're going to, as particularly with that height advantage, you want to jab, you know, more at the chest and the shoulders just to make contact. You know, but when you can't even get glove, again, like fighting Golovkin, when you can't even get glove on a jab, you know, it gets very difficult for you to throw your offense because you're already sort of assuming that stuff is going to miss. Um, and I think it was just super hard for Callum Smith um, to get an offensive rhythm going, to get any kind of confidence going because all of his big shots were just air. You know, I can't remember one clean headshot he landed the whole fight. Even throwing body shots, you know, Canelo's catching them on the elbows. You know, it's... It's a lot to handle, man. You got somebody coming forward that has that level of understanding of range, whose feet are that good, cuts off the ring. It's like he gets on the inside without throwing a punch because his head movement is so good. It's like he's just on you before you know it, you know, and you can't even put a hand on him with your fucking jab. You know, it's it's really he's he's by far, in my opinion, the best fighter of the moment and one of the best fighters of the era. There's no. There's no debate on that at this point. Um, and it didn't matter what Callum Smith threw at him. It was, you know, nice uppercuts. You know, he would try to throw little combinations and he would just miss four or five punches just throwing at air. And that's the Mayweather effect that, that Canelo has where, you know, you get so caught up. Like, you're really ready to touch something. And when you can't, you start questioning everything and it makes you hesitant to let your hands go. And that's part of how at that elite level, that Mayweather-Canelo level, these guys take great fighters and make them look normal. You know, they make them look like they don't really know what they're doing. And it's very special. I think we're watching, you know, one of the all-time greats right now. And a guy that can just do it all. So when you think about what's next for Canelo, you know, he said that he wanted to unify the division. That includes fighting Caleb Plant. That includes fighting Billy Joe Saunders. You know, I think those are good fights. I would love to see him and Billy Joe. I would love to see him and Caleb Plant. I think a slept-on fight at 168 would be a fight between Canelo and David Benavidez. You know, Benavidez is young, but 
his hand speed, his combination punching, his size. I think he's naturally just a little more aggressive and athletic than Callum Smith or than Kovalev. Um, and he just has more of that kind of youthful enthusiasm on his punches where, you know, he really lets his hands go. I don't know if he'll be able to do that kind of stuff against Canelo, but at super middleweight, those are the three fights I think that are the most interesting. But it also comes down to like what weight class is Canelo in? You know, is he willing to go down to middleweight? Is he going to go back up to light heavyweight at some point if it's the right fight? You know, and it's hard to know, but... My opinion is that it seems really unlikely that he's going to go down to middleweight again unless it's for a third Golovkin fight or it's for, you know, a fight with somebody that's a big star that's moving up. If it's Errol Spence, Errol Spence called him out at the fight during an interview. You know, so maybe there's a a welterweight or a junior middleweight star that moves up that he wants to make a fight with. I could see that. But outside of that, I don't think it's going to happen. At light heavyweight, you know, if he really wants to make a claim to being the best, he's going to have to fight Arthur Beterbiev. I think that as far as this weight neighborhood, you know, if you're looking for the absolute most challenging fight Canelo can take, I think that's the one. You know, Beterbiev is just a really rugged, technically sound Russian fighter with a lot of experience. You know, he's a little, I think he's 35 or 36, but he's essentially taken no punishment. And and I think he's in his prime right now. You know, that's a very difficult, rugged fight for anybody. And I think that on the level of like, I want Canelo to take the most difficult fight that he could possibly take. Um, I think that's the fight. Uh, but as far as the legacy of both Canelo and Triple G, I think that ultimately it would be really good for boxing if they had a third fight. I think it would be really good for boxing for them to have a third fight. And I don't know what weight they would do that because I do think that Canelo's outgrown middleweight. And I don't know if Golovkin has like the natural build to move up to 168. But the bottom line too is that Canelo is a very small super middleweight. So even though he's muscular and whatever, it does seem like he could get down to 160. Maybe there's a way to do a catch weight, you know, 164, meet kind of halfway in the middle between super middle and middleweight. Um, but I think that that's important for the sport. And I think before this weekend, if you would ask me, you know, how important is it to you to see a third fight with Triple G and Canelo? I don't know if I would have been that interested. Like I would have been into it. But after seeing how rejuvenated Golovkin looked, I kind of want to see this fight now more than ever, to be honest with you. I just thought he looked so sharp. His jab was so good. His defense was very reactive. And at 38 years old, it just looks like he is maybe getting better. It looks like he's adding to his game. Maybe he's not the same, you know, crushing puncher. But I think, to be honest with you, man, I think the dude still hits hard. And I think that the time off has done wonders for him. I don't know if he can beat Canelo. He probably can't just because Canelo can do it all. But he's also had more time with him than any other fighter. He's had 24 rounds with him where he's had a chance to study him and see what he does. 
And I think that there's things that he'll do differently in a third fight that he didn't do in the first two. And I think that Canelo, you know, Canelo can adjust to anybody. And Canelo is the pound-for-pound best fighter in the world and is a favorite against anybody he's in with right now. There is not one person outside of, like, cruiserweights and heavyweights that you could put this dude in with that I think that can beat him. I don't think anybody can beat him. I think he's the most well-rounded fighter in boxing, and the power, the punching power, keeps guys so honest, you know, from rushing him, even when he's in that defensive mode. It's very rare you see anybody rush him because he hits so hard. Um, so, But I think as far as legacy, when you look at, you know, really great rivalries, you look at Barrera Morales, you look at Pacquiao Marquez, like these rivalries are a big part of people's legacy, of fighters' legacies. Because it's like, you know, you create your legacy off of, off of who you fight and and the magnitude of your fights you know what i'm saying and those those were two great fights and it was two guys that have basically just kind of blasted through everybody else that they fought and then when they fight each other it's like they were made for each other um so i get like the personal animosity between the two of them and the 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 business difficulties but i think for the sake of the sport of boxing that it's very important that they put that fight together. Um, I don't know when we're going to see it, but hopefully one day it happens. Um, as far as next week, I'm going to be doing some more predictions um, for fights in early 21. I'm going to be talking a little bit about this year in boxing as a whole. You know, my fighter of the year, you know, prospect of the year, fight of the year, just kind of a general year end wrap of, you know, everything that boxing has been through in this COVID era, all of the there's, you know, and, and all the great fights. There have been great fights in this. And it's 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 actually been a pretty special time where the sport has been extremely resilient, you know, at a time at a very difficult time for the rest of the world. Um you know, boxing has been able to keep a certain level of normal. Um, and also on top of that, you know, in the coming weeks, I'm going to start doing some more um, kind of technique tutorial stuff. If you haven't watched a lot of this show before, you know, my background is as a trainer um, and, and kind of as a gym rat. I've been in and out of boxing gyms my whole life. Um, and, you know, obviously I haven't like worked out all the fucking kinks yet, but uh, in the next couple of days... I'm going to have some very basic uh, technique tutorials, just stuff that you can get started with if you're interested in learning how to box yourself, uh, aside from being a fan. And uh, I think some of that's also going to include fight breakdowns on the bag where I show you guys, you know, how these guys do what they do or, you know, what their strategy might be. And as opposed to just doing it in front of the camera, um, you know, having the having the bag where I could physically show you what I'm talking about. Um, and that'll be in addition to this pod, this weekly podcast. So there'll be new episodes kind of middle of the week, every week. And then I think every weekend I'm going to try to start posting, um, some of these tutorials. So th again, thanks for, thanks for tuning in this week. That's been episode 29 of the slipping week podcast. Uh, I'll catch you guys next week. Peace.